0: Leaning Toward Wisdom, the podcast, it's the Ask Me Anything episode. The website is leaningtowardwisdom.com. Greetings and welcome inside the L studio. My name is Randy Cantrell. I'm your host here. Coming to you from Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. I didn't say it was an answer or anything. It didn't ask me anything. <laughs> yeah, but we'll do our best. Hope everything's going well with you and yours. I didn't go soliciting any of this. I just... been acquiring a few of these over time. And I never... I, I just... I never do this. And some of these I answer... I would tell you that I answer all the emails. That's probably an incorrect way to state it. Uh, better said, I reply uh, to all the emails, but it doesn't mean that I answer them. And well, you'll you'll quickly see why I think a number of folks have made inquiry. Well, first of all, a number of folks have said, "Hey, congratulations on forty-five years together, you and Rhonda." So. Thank you. I appreciate it very much. Uh, it is a milestone, but quite frankly, every year is a milestone, a good milestone. And, uh, I've heard some heartbreaking stories of relationships that didn't quite pan out. And for those of you that have experienced those kinds of things, uh, I'm sad. I'm sorry. It doesn't happen to be our story, thankfully. And so we continue to try to craft and write the best story that we can. A number of people have inquired, and this has been kind of ongoing for the last year or so, about this place in Arkansas. And I've talked very openly and candidly about having started a podcast about this place. Uh, you can find that if you care to look at hotspringsvillageinsideout.com. Uh, you can find it, the short way to get there is HSV dot com. Uh, I will, I, I will forewarn you, you know, over there HSV, there are a lot of businesses and there are a lot of organizations that use the, use the abbreviation of HSV short for hot Springs village. I of course registered the domain hot springs, village inside dot and for short, did HSV inside uh, never having a clue that I would, I would start getting immediately. I would just start getting all kinds of spam that had to do with HSV herpes simplex virus, also known as HSV, basically known as herpes. So I very quickly had to go and, purchase a, a, a anti-spam service for our website. I mean, I was getting, it was ridiculous, uh, hundreds and hundreds every day. Huh. And I'd never experienced anything quite like that, but I didn't have anything that had HSV in the name before. So it was all of these. I don't know. I don't know what they were peddling. I don't, do you ever have this conversation with friends about spam And all of the spam and all of the stuff that you get and question, why do people do it? Are you like me? Does it dawn on you that the reason they do it is it works? I mean, it's bound to work. I'm not saying it works on a big percentage, but if you're sending out millions and millions and millions of these, how many positive responses do you need? I've never quite understood the spamming comment or the spamming of a contact form. <laughs> I, I had to protect, we had, I had to protect us from both. And I mean, other than getting you to click on something, but then I'm, I, I try to reverse engineer this and I don't, I just don't know enough about it. I guess it's like, okay, well you send me a spam. I click on it and now, you know, you got a real human. So, okay. And what does that do for you? Now we could talk about, Oh, help me. What am I thinking of? You know, we can talk about trying to uh, embed Trojan horses and things on your computer. I'm I'm not talking, I'm assuming that the majority of these are not that, but I could be wrong. I don't know, but yeah, because of HSV, I had to invest a little bit of money to, uh, to kind of keep the spammers and the, uh, ne'er do wells at bay. I forgot even what the question was now. Hang on. I have to look here at my notes. Oh, well people were inquiring about that about that podcast and you know why why I started it. I've talked about that before, but I guess for those of you that missed it. That's the thing about podcasting when you record as often as most of us do and it can be kind of hard to it can kind of be hard to keep track of it all. But for the audience you're thinking, well, I've talked about that and, and they've heard it. Sometimes we lose sight of the fact that there's, there is this turnover. There, there are new people coming. There's people that may be leaving sadly. Um, uh, and not everybody may have the context. So hopefully this will, will help in that regard. I made my first journey over to hot Springs village, Arkansas in September of 2018, now, I live in Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas, and the Ozarks are about an eight-hour drive from here. And I like the Ozarks, but that particular year, I did not want to drive eight hours. I really wanted to drive. I wanted to keep it under six hours. That was six hours was my, my maximum. And so I just kind of went, I just kind of looked at a map and, I don't remember exactly what I did, but I obviously spent time online and Googling and whatnot. I had heard of of hot Springs, Arkansas. I knew a little bit about hot Springs, Arkansas and hot Springs, Arkansas is a perfectly lovely place. And it's, it's got a considerable amount of tourist traffic. And as a result, I'm like, I'm out. I'm not interested. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in woods and trails and, serenity and peace and quiet and really dark dark skies at night so you can see all the stars and so that was the the mood i was in and some months prior to september is when we had planned the trip we were going to be taking it you know sometime after labor day unbeknownst to us so I, i booked a place found a place seemed like a perfectly lovely little bedroom suite It was in the basement of somebody's home, had its own entrance and all that. Seemed perfectly fine. Okay, book it. Some time passed, and then Labor Day happens, and, and we had some life challenges. And so happens that right after the life challenges hit us and knocked us to our knees, and I'll get to that here momentarily because that gets asked. We make the trek to hot Springs village and a perfectly lovely place. I've never been here. And I'm like, how did I, how have I, have we not known about this place? Uh, because it seemed like everywhere we, we went, we ran into people who were from Dallas, Fort Worth or people who were from Texas who had relocated over there. Now this was largely a retirement community or it was, it was begun kind of that way. The place is currently right now is about 52 years old. So in 2018, the place had not yet celebrated its 50th anniversary. The same developer, John Cooper, the same developer who developed Bella Vista uh, for folks up around Bentonville, Arkansas, which everybody knows is the global headquarters of Walmart. Uh, Bella Vista was created by this same developer around the same time, very close time frame. And these are largely retirement kind of communities really appealing to, you know, the older crowd that is looking for slower pace and all that lakes, golf courses, beautiful, serene, so forth. Hot Springs village continues to be a gated community. So you have to have basically permission to get inside. Now, it's not as exclusive as it sounds, and it's not about exclusivity, it's about safety. And so there are some the main gates are manned by people, and so you go through and or you have a sticker on your windshield of your car that alerts them, "Hey, this is a person who's got a right to be here and you're good to go." Then there are some other gates that aren't manned and you have to have a card and you know, basically it's a chip, it's a chip reader kind of a thing. Anyway, this is 26,000 acres of awesomeness and it's all gated and you can learn more about this by going over and checking out the website and the podcast Hot hotspringsvillageinsideout.com. I won't bore you with all the details, but we went over there in 2018 and I, I was smitten. Uh, we continue to go back because it's a five hour drive. It's, you know, it's not a bad drive and it was just, I don't know. It just became a place of respite and a lot of it probably did have to do with some of the things that were going on in my life in 2018, but it's a perfectly lovely place no matter what's going on in your life. So there are, what is it? Eight golf courses, 11 lakes, and they range in size from not very big to pretty good size. And there are about 16,000 people who live inside the gates. And there's a considerable amount of property where there aren't houses built, but people do own the own these lots. They own the property. Uh, I am such a person. We, we own some property inside there that one day we, we hope to maybe build on. So there's that. So maybe that gives you some context of why I fell in love with this place and how I found it. And then began the podcast about it mainly because I had questions and I just, I wanted, I thought, you know, if I'm going to go on this journey to find out more about this place, there might be some other people who would be interested too. And turns out I was right. So we started that podcast in June of 2021 and it continues to this day. I'm kind of on hiatus as far as being a co-host because there's just been just long story short, just too many voices in the room, especially when there are guests. Um, and so it's all good. It's all good. So hopefully onward and upward with that podcast, HSV inside com. Uh, that let's probably go ahead and, face the elephant in the room, uh, the, you know, the big question their inquiries about and people, I respect it. People aren't you're nosy, but you're not nosy. I get it. You know, you're curious. I understand that. Uh, I have made some comments and allusions about, uh, some family situations and I have even mentioned a daughter. Um, and I have used the word wayward, And I mean that in every sense of the word. I mean that spiritually. I mean that physically. I mean that in any and every context you want to use it. Um, That happened in 2018. That happened just prior to us going to Hot Springs Village. Um, And I'll only give you uh, uh, enough details so that Hopefully it can satisfy your curiosity. It's not that I'm not trying to be transparent, but, and I have been encouraged by a few friends who are podcasters. You really should share more of that. They say, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not sure about that. You know, for me, when it comes to, to that kind of openness, it, it, for me, it's not an issue of vulnerability. It's an issue of, okay, why? Let me give you an example. I can regularly get in front of a group of, of executives and facilitate kind of a, 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 group meeting, call it coaching, call it whatever you want, but we're just trying to build some solidarity in the group. And given that the topic is leadership, it stands to reason that me as the facilitator, me as the leader, that if I'm trying to foster vulnerability, in the group, I first must demonstrate and show my own. And invariably, I, I'll i pull the curtain back and I'll talk about this and some other things in my life. And 100% of the time, it gets reciprocated. Now, I'm not saying that everybody rolls the way I roll. We're all different, and I don't judge it but everybody to some degree reciprocates, meaning if, if I open up and if I show vulnerability to a room full of executives or leaders, we're going to do, you know, an exercise and I've got a variety of them that I may do. And a hundred percent of the time that vulnerability is going to be reciprocated. Some are going to pull the curtain back way more than others. Some are going to share really deep stuff more than others, but everybody is going to reciprocate. It's, it's really kind of fascinating. It's also kind of fascinating to me that when we, we hear stories, we read stories, whether it's a podcast or anything else. And we see, we see great vulnerability in people. We're just, we're drawn into that. Aren't we? I am we we just really enjoy this human connection it's not that we enjoy the pain now i'm not saying that but we enjoy the fact that that somebody is willing to share some of these things with us i worry that you know it sounds like it sounds like complaining or it sounds like whining or it sounds like a pity party that that's my concern. And I'm not saying that that's real. I'm not saying that you or anybody else has done anything to make me feel that way. It's just, it's just a thought. And it's, for me, it can be a little bit difficult to get past that. But I've had a few friends, especially over the last couple of years, who've like, you should, you should do this. You should do this. You should do this. And I'm like, yeah, why, why sh- why should I do that? And they all, they all come back and they all say, because there's other people who are going through similar kinds of things. And they will all say that because I will have had a conversation with them about all the people that I've talked to who have loved ones that went into for medical reasons, went into pain management. And it's going to sound like I'm slamming pain management and I kind of sort of am, but not really. I understand that there are people who have chronic pain. I don't, but I do understand there are people who do. And I understand that there are physicians who they specialize in that. It's not so much about healing. It's not so much about making you better. It's about helping you cope and deal with the pain and increasingly really strong medications are being prescribed and used. And as a father of an adult child, uh, I was concerned about that. But you know, when you've got a person in your life who has chronic pain and you hear it enough and you're being told enough over and over that, you know, you don't understand, you don't understand, you don't. And I freely admit, no, I don't. I don't understand, not firsthand. So a car wreck happens Life isn't perfect for any of us and pain management enters the picture and fentanyl patches are prescribed that enters the picture. Antidepressants enter the picture, anti-anxiety medications enter the picture and dramatic personality changes occur. And you've now got this person in your life and you, you, you don't recognize them at all, They they are not, they are not a third cousin to anybody that you recognize everything about them is completely different communication styles different opinions are different behaviors different everything's different and you fast forward and that continues and that continues and you can't you can't help this person come back from the abyss and some people can choose to just swan dive into the abyss And that's what happened. And you're left to just watch the swan dive. I mean, there's nothing you can do. You're not dealing with a child who's living at home. You're dealing with a child who's been, you know, at this, for us, been married for 15 years, had two kids, and a good, good man as a husband, and blows life up. And, What are you going to do? The fascinating thing for me and the the reason that I have been advised by some of my podcast buddies, you know, you really, you might want to talk about that. You might want to talk about that is because they have heard me tell this. I have spoken with a number of people ranging in age from 19 to their eighties who also have loved. and, And when I say 19, I'm talking about, a uh, 19 on prescribed opioids and and pain you know i mean whether it's a vicodin whether it's whatever um and it's interesting to me that from 19 to early 80s that would be the age range of the folks that i personally have talked to and inquired and said okay what how's this impacted your life and the story is always the same always i find that remarkable whether it's parents of a 19 year old or whether it's the husband of an 83 year old they all describe the behavior exactly the same it completely changed their personality they are completely unfiltered they behave like a rebellious teenager okay well the 19 you could say well okay he is a teenager but the behavior is the behavior seems identical Which tells me there's something that opioids do, prescribed, legal, illegal, doesn't matter. There's something that opioids do to the human brain that seems to create a real similar, if not identical, pattern of behavior. Well, I I just find that. I just, I find that completely amazing. And I wish I had the brain power to understand it, but I don't. I really wish I had the brain power to do something about it, but I don't. And I don't think it's overstated to say that there's an absolute epidemic of people in this situation, in these circumstances. And there are countless families who are desperately trying to pull their loved one back from this abyss. And I have no advice at all. I mean, I've got zero advice on how to do this because you have got absolute rebellion, vile, profane, just ridiculously selfish, unruly, illogical behavior, and age doesn't seem to impact it. Past history doesn't seem to impact it. Socioeconomics has nothing to do with it faith religion conviction in the past out the window morality out the window it's just amazing it's just completely amazing but um this is the reality that some of us must endure and it does and no you don't let it wreck your life uh because none of us i don't think any of us logically anyway we don't want to give it that much power we don't want to give these people who have made who've made a bad decision albeit in some cases it could be argued well what kind of command of their own faculties did they even have and i don't know i've wrestled with that for a number of years now i just know that we can choose what we're going to lean into we can choose what we're going to lean on and without trying to judge people in chronic pain, which I'm incapable of doing because I'm not one of you and I would never dare presuppose. I would just say, I would just say this based on my, my understanding of opioids. Don't lean into that. Don't lean on that. I don't know what the answer is because everybody's circumstance could be different, but it seems to me that the outcome of basically being hooked or addicted to prescribed opioids, that's a bad, 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 bad road to go down. And I've heard just way too many horror stories of people who've gone down that road and they don't come back. It's really, really rare. Can they? And if you're listening to me and you're doubting, keep doubting, keep doubting your inability to come back because I would, I would tell anybody, man, try, try your dead level best to, to come back from the abyss. But I just know from experience and from talking with too many people, including professionals, it's a, it's a hard, it's a hard road to go. And for many people, just too tough. Don't want to do it. And quite frankly, the belligerence and the rebellion and the self-will is so ridiculously strong. Uh, I mean, what do you do with that? What do you do with that? I mean, you're, you're not going. You're not going to impose your will on an adult person who absolutely, positively thinks that you're Satan, and and trying to suppress them and try and, you know, they, they are so diluted because of the change in brain chemistry. And I hear this, I hear this over and over and over again. The, the ability to reach someone in that state is virtually impossible. As I've heard over and over and over again, uh, you're trying to reason with an unreasonable person and there's no doing that there's just no doing that and that for me is the frustration the frustration is you're you're not this isn't the person that you thought they were this isn't the person that they once were they are a completely different person um and there's just there's no reaching there's no reaching them that sounds horribly hopeless and um and it is I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It is, it's, it's a rather hopeless situation. I know this. I'm in control of my life. I'm, I have full responsibility for my life. I cannot have responsibility for her life. I can't have responsibility for anybody's life. I got my hands full with my own and it's the tough, tough part. You know, in many cases, we want to make decisions for other people. We want people to, we want people to do what we want them to do. And that sounds controlling, but I mean it in the context of us wanting the very best for people. I have regular conversations with people in coaching sessions and stuff about safety and you know, the technical phrase that everybody uses is psychological safety. Well, what does that mean? It means I can be open and honest with you and you're not going to beat me over the head with it. That's what it means. It means you're not going to use this against me. It means I'm going to be able to trust you. It means what happens in the room stays in the room. Well, those people that are safe for you, they are not only people who fill in those gaps that I just mentioned, but they are also people that, you know, you know, deep, deep down, you know, they absolutely positively want your best. They have no other dog in the hunt except they want your best they want your best outcome. Now they may have some preconceived ideas of what that ought to be. There's no question. And some people are better at not imposing that on others. And some aren't so good at it. But I look at these kinds of situations and as desperate as parents are, as desperate as loved ones are with addiction or any other kind of a, of a malady that would fit in this category that we're talking about. We so desperately want them to get their life on track. We so desperately want them to make wise decisions. But we can't do this for them. We just can't do this for them. They've got to do it for themselves. You know, the, the big issue with the impact of opioids on the brain is I, I begin to think, but they can't. You yeah, know, they, 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 they took a path down a road and they, they traveled down that road so far and so long. What if they can't, what if they can't recover? And I'm reminded of all the things that I taught my children, including this one. Don't make a mistake that you can't recover from, but I fear, I fear she has. And I'm loath to do anything about that. The ideal outcome, this gets considerable curiosity. I use this a lot in my coaching practice and I find myself using it more and more in podcasting and the content that I create. And I realize that I mentioned it and I may mention it too much. And some people are kind of curious about it. It's I think it's the phrasing that may, it doesn't trip people up. It just makes People are curious because we hear a lot and we read a lot about goals and objectives and accomplishments and achievements. And I'm using the word outcome. I'm intentional about that because the outcome can be, uh, it's just in my mind, it's just a more holistic kind of a thing. I can achieve a certain thing. I could accomplish a certain thing and that might be part of the outcome, but that, ne- that may not be the totality of the outcome. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of dollars, right? It's really easy, especially for business folks to take an aim at a dollar. We're, we're going to aim for this amount of revenue, this amount of profit, this number of transactions, whatever Uh podcast can do the same thing with downloads, right we can we can be jumping through hoops to achieve certain downloads is that the outcome well it might be part of the outcome and i'm not denying that for some people that may be the outcome that may be the sole thing that that they're interested in in my mind and in coaching clients i'm really trying to get people to think about this a, a bit more deeply and in no way am i trying to influence what their ideal outcome should be that's for everybody to decide for themselves and i will sometimes illustrate it by sharing with them some ideal outcomes that i'm pursuing or that i have pursued so if we say well we want to hit that dollar amount well do you care how you get there well yeah i would hope that you do i mean there are people that are criminals that are achieving some big numbers uh, but they're doing it in a criminal way okay well that's not your ideal outcome so Now we we take the criminal element out of the case. Well, uh, do do you care how you achieve that number? Is everything fair game? Or are there certain methodologies, is there certain philosophies, is there a certain viewpoint that you have by which you want to reach that numerical goal that has a dollar sign in front of it? And so the outcome, the word, my intent is for the word to conjure up just a whole deeper a whole deeper kind of a thing and to look at this thing perhaps from a, a new perspective, maybe not, but at least from a perspective of kind of the totality of the thing. For instance, I've made no bones about it here at Leaning Toward Wisdom that Rhonda and I are seeking an ideal outcome that involves central Arkansas. Well, now there's a lot of moving parts to that and it's just not as simple or as easy as saying, well, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to sell everything here and we're going to go pot committed if you please and we're just going to relocate and we'll we'll just move over there and call that home. Okay, well it's not that easy. I mean, would that it were, but it's not. It's not that easy and primarily it's not that easy because the tribe, the family is here. Well, we're at a stage of life. I mean, it's kind of the last thing you want to do, right? I mean, Yes, the first thing we want to do is get away from, from family. And some of you, I can already see it on your face. You're, you're thinking, man, it would be great if I could get away from my family. I don't, I don't feel that way. Um, but that ideal outcome, and I've talked about it very openly here and candidly here, uh, more so than in any other place, it, it, it's, It In some cases, it's a vexing thing to try to figure out the ideal outcome. I came up with that methodology over the last seven years in coaching leaders, something that I've been doing for the better part of 15 years now. And I did it because, and I'm I'm mentioning it more and more, and that's another matter of curiosity is, you know, why, why does it find its way so much because we're living in a world of intense judgment. And it seems to me that it's, it's, it's escalating. It's getting worse and it's getting worse and it's getting worse. And it's getting worse in my opinion, in part because some among us are made to feel better by other people feeling worse. Some of us are making ourselves feel better at the expense of others. And I encounter professional people all the time who are being told by somebody in their life that they should do this and they shouldn't do that. And that they ought to want this and they ought to want that. Now, once you get removed, in my opinion, once you get removed from something being illegal, immoral, unethical, who am I to decide? It's your life. I just want to help my clients figure out, okay, in this circumstance, given where you're at, given the current challenges or the current opportunities, and I'm really fixated on, can we look past the challenge to find the opportunity? Because I have just found in my own life and in helping others, I have found that almost always, not always, but almost always in the midst of tremendous challenge, there's a big opportunity. The question is, can we find it? Can we approach this thing? Can we look at this thing? Can we leverage the insights and the experiences and the wisdom of other people that we know and trust? And can we find it? And maybe we can, maybe we can't, right? We see what we see and we have a viewpoint. We've all got a viewpoint. The ideal outcome is intended to provoke a deeper, more intentional and thoughtful approach to. What is it, what is it most that you're chasing? What is it most that you would like to have happen? And not just look at the end result as being, well, I want this car or I want this house or I want this much money or I want this position or title. I want this promotion. It's deeper than that because then the next question is, and what will that do for you? What does that accomplish? How does that contribute to the ideal outcome? Because what are we really chasing? What is it we're really pursuing? Now, here at Leaning Toward Wisdom, we're we're simply focused on trying to get it right in real time. We're trying to make better decisions. We're trying to be better humans. We're trying to be of greater service to the people that we love and that we care about. We're trying to have an impact on the world. We're trying to be the best humans that we can be. And it's not about trying to be somebody else. It's not about trying to chase what somebody else is chasing. I can illustrate it with the Central Arkansas pursuit that has been on my mind for, well, the better part of four years now. Uh, This has been a goal and an objective, and it has been ever before us. I haven't shared it that long, but I have shared it in the last year or so. Have every intent of spending more time in central arkansas and less time here doesn't mean no time here it just means kind of figuring out a way to to split the time and i've been very candid with you the reason why it's a respite it's a place of solitude it's a place of serenity and peace that i don't i don't experience here in texas you know, it's a frenetic city. It's a big city. The pace is different. And as much as I have loved that pace, I'm at a point in my life now where I crave a different pace. Listen, five, six years ago, you get behind somebody and they're, okay, they're driving below this. Okay, that still drives me crazy. And people driving below the speed limit. But I'm certainly more amenable to that now than I was some years ago. That, that pace doesn't drive me nuts, and it used to drive me nuts, and now I find myself rather craving that pace. And that's part of the ideal outcome. Well, until I explain that, I could just say, well, my ideal outcome is involve, it involves central Arkansas. Okay, well, but there's a huge why behind that. And there's also a why behind that place because there's the geography, there's the people, there's the – There's the surrounding areas. There's the nature. There's a lot more to it than just, okay, we want to figure out a way to spend more time in this place called hot Springs village, Arkansas. That's part of it. It's a big part of it. So I don't know if that helps or not, but I I get the curiosities about it because it's not a phrase that you, that you commonly hear. And, It was not done in any way, shape, or form as a marketing ploy, the ideal outcome. It was done because I found myself one day, seven, eight years ago, sitting in front of a client and asking them, well, what is your ideal outcome? And they thought for a minute and I didn't have to explain anything. I, that's exactly how I asked the question. And they thought for a moment and they started answering. And as they answered, I would ask, well, tell me more or why. Or I would ask, okay, and what will that do for you? You know, it could be, well, I, I again, I want this promotion or I want this, you know, something that's very specific. And that's great and wonderful. We've all been taught and coached and we've all learned from all the pundits that, We need to set a a deadline, and we need to be specific in what we're pursuing. Okay, that's fine. Just understand this. Life happens, and sometimes those things don't work out quite the way you want it, and sometimes they work out very differently than the way you want it, and sometimes they work out in ways that, frankly, are even more favorable than you could have architected on your own. And sometimes they don't. Sometimes they work out swimmingly. Sometimes they don't work out at all. So does it mean that we shouldn't pursue them? No. I mean, come on. There's no guarantees for success in any of this. We're all just learning. We're all just giving this a go and trying. I think it's a worthwhile exercise. It absolutely is for me. I hope it's of some value to you for us to sit down and say, okay, right now at this stage of my life, what is it? i I would most want to have happen and now what can I do to help facilitate that what is my ideal outcome all right let's get to something let's get to something a bit more upbeat shall we hang on let me pull my note up here and look and see what what else is uh yeah people have asked about the starfish parable uh I have mentioned the starfish parable as being one of the it's just one of those things that, and I can't tell you when I came across it. Uh, I should know even how old it is, but I I don't. Uh, Let's see if we can't, see if we can't podcast without a net here. Recorded live. Uh, It was published in 1969. Lauren Isley. She lived from 1907 to 1977. And The star thrower, or what we've come to know as the starfish story is part of a 16 page essay of the same name, the star thrower published in 1969 in the unexpected universe. So there you go. Uh, I didn't come across it in 1969. I assure you, I was born in 1957, so I promise you I was older than 12 or whatever when I came across it, but I I came across it years and years and years ago. And it just so resonated with me and people have inquired about, about that. And, you know, how did you come across that? And, and what was it that kind of spoke to you about that? It simply is this one day, a man was walking along the beach when he noticed a boy picking up and gently throwing things into the ocean, approaching the boy, he asked young man, what are you doing? Throwing starfish back into the ocean. The surf is up. The tide's going out. And if I don't throw them back, they'll die. The boy replied. The man laughed and said, do you realize there are miles of beach and hundreds of starfish? You can't make any difference. After listening politely, the boy bent down to pick up another starfish and threw it into the surf. And then he smiled at the man and said, I made a difference to that one. And when I read it, however many years ago, I thought, well, I feel that way. And over time, as you know, my professional life developed and whatnot, and people all People get interested in, most everybody is interested in scope and scale. I don't care if you're in business. I don't care if you're podcasting. I don't care if you're a musician. I don't care what you are. We are seeking bigger impact. And for most of us, bigger impact means more numbers. It means just I need to scale this thing, need to reach a whole lot more people right is that come on it's the scammer thing right it's a scammer spammer (laughs) mindset i mean if i if i can spam a million people a day some percentage of them are going to click my link and so many of us approach everything that way and then social media came to the forefront and now we're 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 needing this constant rush that we get of people chiming in and approving us and Liking and sharing and whatever else. And it all feels great and wonderful. I didn't suffer from that. Honest truth. I just didn't suffer from that. Now I'm the kid that grew up wishing that I was like everybody else, but I wasn't like everybody else. I I read that story and I thought that's exactly how I feel. I I don't, I just don't much care. I'm not that interested in people ask me, what are the downloads? I have no idea. I could not tell you what the download count. I mean, I got some fair idea, but I don't go checking downloads of any podcast that I do. I mostly gauge it by, do I hear from some people? And it's not like I got to have an inbox just crammed full every week, but I want to hear from people. And Sometimes I do. And sometimes I don't. Sometimes I hear from people and I get pages. Sometimes I hear from people and I get a sentence. Am I making a difference when, when you're wired, like I'm wired you. Yeah. You I'm talking to you. Am I able to make some small difference for you? That's more than good enough for me. That's reason enough to hit record. I don't need any, I don't need a bigger reason. I don't need a bigger audience. I'm not trying to monetize. I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm just trying to help you figure it out. This whole project of leaning toward wisdom was quite simply a legacy project started by a 40 year old guy who's now 65. Just trying to pass some stuff on and trying to help some kids figure it out. One did. One fell into an abyss. And then there's you, and you came along. Well, I wasn't planning on you. You were a happy accident. All of a sudden, people from here, there, and yon started listening, and I started getting some email from some people. I mean, first emails I got were from Europe. I'm like, how the no. Sam Hill did you find me? And initially, I thought, well, they're just intrigued because I speak the way I speak, and it probably, I probably don't sound like the guys down the street from them. <laughs> I don't know. But I feel like the little boy on the beach, and I feel like smiling at the man, and I'm prepared to say, I'm making a difference to that one. I'd only qualify it and say, you know, I'm trying. I'm trying to make a difference to that one. Am I making a difference? I think so. Sometimes I know, sometimes I don't know. And sometimes I hear from people, and it did make a difference. And One email is good enough every now and again, one email is good enough. And people inquiring like some of you have that's it's good enough. It's good enough. So there's the backstory starfish of the parable, uh, and along the same lines, people have inquired about, and I guess I've made, I haven't made reference this in a good while, but, uh, some of you evidently are really into disc profile and, Myers-Briggs and that sort of thing. And I have talked openly about those things and how beneficial I think they can be in helping us kind of understand ourselves better. I'm, I'm not telling you to put shove all your chips in the middle of the table and bet the farm on any of them. But I do think that they're somewhat beneficial. I am an INFJ. I would tell you what that stands for, but I, I can't remember. I know the I is introvert. I know the J is judgment. I think the N is intuition. What am I leaving out the F have no clue, have no clue. I've taken that thing more times than I can count. And it's the exact, it's the same every time I've also talked about the via survey, VIA, Google it. Or if you want, email me, email me and I'll send you a link. Uh, you, and you can take it for free. It's a character strength. It's not like strength finders. It's character strengths. I I've taken that repeatedly and. The the one character strength that's always at the top for me is forgiveness. Now, these are interesting things. I, I like these things because, well, I believe that self awareness is such a huge, huge, huge thing. And um, so, yeah, INFJ. There you go. I'm I'm an outgoing introvert, is what it basically amounts to. And for me, it's an energy management thing. It's not so much a personality. It's not a personality trait in the sense that oh well yeah based on his behavior I can tell he's an introvert. Cuz you think introvert and you think shy and bashful and hug a wall. I can be that guy but that's not that's not my default. You know, I'm I'm more outgoing than that, I'm more sociable than that. It's just it exhausts me. <laughs> being around being around too many people for too long is just draining for me. So Uh, plans ahead a whole lot of folks kind of curious about the encore chapter i've debated on doing a kind of a sub uh i just lost it you know kind of doing a a, some 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 themed shows about the encore chapter because ronda and i are we're rapidly trying to make some things happen in this chapter of our life and it's uncharted water for us and I have I have toyed with the idea of incorporating that into leaning toward wisdom as kind of a, not a separate podcast, just once in a while doing a show that would be kind of the encore, part of an encore chapter series, if you please, where I just kind of pull the curtain back and, okay, here's what we're thinking, here's where we're going. And I've talked myself out of that because it just seems too self-serving. But again, it's kind of like sharing the family pain Some people have said, ah, you should do that. You should do that. You should do that. Uh, because there, there's a lot of people that are, I'm sure that are facing that same thing at this stage of their life. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't, I don't know how broad an appeal that would be. And so I haven't decided to do that just yet. So, all right, well, that's, there's 40 minutes that you'll never get back. So I'd say, put a fork in us. We're done. Right. Leaning toward wisdom, modern tales of an ancient pursuit. We're all just working together, trying to figure it out. Hopefully, we are committed and trying to do the best we can. Do we always? No. I don't, you don't. Tomorrow will be better. Let's determine to make it so. And let's determine to make a difference. Jane Goodall said, what you do makes a difference, and you have to decide what kind of difference you want to make. I agree with that. The website is LeaningTowardWisdom.com. My name is Randy Kentrell. Greetings and welcome. Inside the Yellow Studio.